Hey everybody, Shereen here. Welcome to the Magic Hour. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Magic Hour drops every Sunday for your enjoyment and show notes are found at mylittlemagicshop.com, our official sponsor. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed, Spotify, or iTunes. You can also follow me on Instagram at mylittlemagicshop.com and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get to the show. Hi, you are listening to The Magic Hour. Today we're talking about learning tarot with the marvelous witch Dr. Alex. He is noted as one of the most outspoken healers on the gram and is so far bucked out that his calendar can't handle any more appointments for the year. Witch Dr. Alex is here to share how he got into the mystical arts and some tips on how anyone can start learning tarot today. Welcome, Alex. I'm so Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you as a guest today. Likewise, I'm excited to be on the show. Thank you for having me. So let's start from the beginning. You started with astrology, right? Correct. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about that. I think I read online that you got really into uh, Linda Green. Yes, yes. So uh, back in high school, it's actually kind of interesting. Like I was in English, I was heavy into um, reading, I was heavy into the drama department. And, you know, there were a lot of tarot readers in my drama class. And also my mom was somewhat into astrology for the most part. But I remember at the library that I um, found this book called Linda Goodman Love Signs. And that's kind of what sparked everything off as far as my interest in astrology. You know, I had always read, like, my mom would always give me the newspaper and show me my horoscope. And, you know, I'm a Scorpio, so I would always read the Scorpio horoscopes. And Linda Goodman Love Signs was kind of the starting off point for that interest. Looking back, you know, I mean, it was a book from the 70s, so it had a lot of generalizations and kind of like a lot of broad strokes in terms of like a character markup but you know it definitely um introduced me to this and then i believe like um by accident almost i found astro.com and that's kind of what also introduced me to more in-depth astrology about like the rising signs and the moon signs and it wasn't up until maybe like a couple years ago well really up until um 2013 when i was going through my saturn return that i actually learned about more so kind of the larger planetary transits because you know saturn return is such you know a big deal for so many and it's even for people who aren't even that in depth or involved with astrology tend to know about the saturn return for a good a good example is the no doubt album return of saturn which came out like i believe like 2001 or 2000 and um it was talking you know it's an album about how you know gwen stefani was turning 29 i remember at the time when i was you know listening to that album and i was kind of correlating it to what i was going through when i was 26 27 and um it was such you know a tough time i have saturn in scorpio in the 12th house and i was dealing with a lot of stuff in terms of like you know alcohol addiction and depression and things just really made sense especially with also you know me being a Scorpio. I was following this account on Instagram called Scorpio Mystique. I don't know if you may or may not know her, but she's really popular. And so she was talking about the Saturn return transits. And um, once that started, you know, and I started learning about the the returns and the planetary alignments and the eclipses and the new stuff like that, that's what really created or of what it is that I do today and really inspired my education. And, you know, the thing about astrology is you never stop learning. You're always a student. So there's always new things to learn. There's always, you know, more information to 
consume and figure out what works for you. So yeah, that's more so kind of what inspired this astrological journey, that's for sure. Oh, I love that. I mean, you touched yeah. on so many great things and it's Linda Goodman. I don't know why I totally called her Linda Green. I think I was thinking of another astrologer, but yes, I definitely remember her love signs book and her mm-hmm. sunshine book. Um, yeah. She's, um, she is a fantastic, fantastic astrologer. So yes. I'm pretty familiar with her. And then also just turning, coming back to this point about the Saturn return. I yeah. think that um, just for our listeners that aren't yet familiar with yes, it. Yes, that's right. haven't <laughs> had it yet, which yeah. I, I know all about Saturn return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think, um, would you mind just clarifying what that Absolutely. is? Absolutely. Yeah, it's so funny. Once you get more in depth with your astrological wisdom, so to speak, it's like you say things of astrological language and you forget yeah. that people don't know what it is. So yeah, with the Saturn return, Saturn takes um, between 27 and 29 to 30 years to make its full orbit to where it was at the time of your birth. And Saturn is all about restrictions. It's all about lessons and karma and discipline and uh, time served, time served, so to speak. This is very much the taskmaster. So uh, a lot of people kind of um, kind of compare it to like the CEO that walks the sales floor and everyone's kind of scared of the CEO of the company and like everyone's kind of working extra hard to make sure they don't get fired or they don't look lazy. So Saturn is definitely kind of that planet. So long story short, when you're having your Saturn return, Saturn returns typically start around the age of 27. And the interesting thing about that is, you know, with musicians, you know, they have this thing called the 27 Club and, you know, um, people like Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Janice job amy winehouse great example are people who pass away at um 27 there's a lot of you know reasons why certain situations pan out the way they did with that but you know very much kind of that's kind of like um one thing that very much kind of stands out in terms of the Saturn return not that everyone is going to pass away or not that if you are a musician once you turn 27 you're automatically going to die but it's kind of like one of those interesting things that kind of correlate to it anyway with the Saturn return when you have your Saturn return Saturn is returning back to the place it was at the time of your birth and it's kind of like the graduation that Um, decides, you know, it's like graduating from childhood and graduating into adulthood. And so what happens is you go through a lot of tough lessons, a lot of trials and tribulations and tests or so that very much kind of, you know, allow you to graduate into adulthood, so to speak. Some people, you know, pass it. A lot of times, a lot of people will say that, you know, if your first Saturn return was more so kind of a piece of cake for whatever reason, let's say that you have it in exaltation like Saturn and Libra and that's a little bit more complicated to understand but if you have it in more so kind of a positive place it might not be as heavy but the second time around when you turn 57 58 59 is when it'll either um it'll typically be harder or it'll be lesser if your first Saturn return was harder so anyways your Saturn return is more so kind of your graduation into adulthood and that's when Saturn returns back to the place it was um to the time you're born to the degrees in which and the degrees and sign in which you were born Yes, thank you so much for clarifying. You know, often they call Saturn a planet of karma, too. So I like to think about it like, you know, what have you been doing for the last 27 years? Absolutely. (laughs) It's like the nice little, you know, check, you like get a little check, uh, a little check, and it's a great time to uh, course correct. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for that. Okay, so I also read that 
Louisiana hoodoo is in your blood. So can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, well, first tell us a little bit more about Louisiana hoodoo for my listeners that aren't really familiar. Sure. So Louisiana hoodoo is a practice that is generational, that is regional specifically, as well as ancestral. There's very much a lot of practice that is affiliated with the Black church, that is affiliated with Black culture. Not everything about hoodoo is particularly magic or related to magic. A lot of it is very much cultural. A good example is, you know, in the South or more so all of Black culture at the beginning of New Year's, it's the eating of the black eyed peas. It's the eating of the collard greens and the cornbread. That is a prosperity working that, you know, opens up certain avenues or certain prosperity for the upcoming year. That is a part of hoodoo. In terms of Louisiana hoodoo, it's more so kind of using scripture from the Bible to um, open up paths and in- increase certain situations that either could be luck or gambling or love or separation or protection, things of that nature. You also use the incorporation of herbs and talismans as well as curios like a good um example is hydron the conqueror root mm-hmm. which is a root of um the four o'clock flower or the morning glory rather um it's the root of that flower and you keep it in your left pocket and it's used to conquer situations a lot of people use it to get new jobs or more so win in court um, there's also another route that you can use for that, uh, use for court work, but to win in court, to win over situations for good luck and protection and love, it's um, used by the slaves. So a lot of it um, carryovers, carries over from the slave trade from West Africa. And the way it's found itself in Louisiana is more so because there's that separation between you know, African ancestral practices that kind of have um, ruminated and marinated in our own American culture here in the South. And in, there's, you know, Geechee hoodoo in the East Coast and the Carolinas in Florida. But, you know, with Delta hoodoo, it's Mississippi and Louisiana, which where my family comes from. And that's what we practice. So there's um, ancestral worship or more so um, veneration where you have an altar, you spend time with them. And a lot of it is consistency and commitment. You know, it isn't something that you pick up and you put down or you just, you only, it's like, you know, you don't go to your grandparents' house once every 10 years and ask them for something. It's very much a relationship that you build. And it's super important that you build that relationship. And that's the whole thing with veneration. So Louisiana, I mean, Louisiana hoodoo, it's veneration, spending time, it's commitment. It's um, building a relationship with spirit and spirituality that ensures prosperity, that ensures protection, that ensures pride in your in your practice and who you are. My connection, or more so, my start with Louisiana hoodoo, you know, like I was saying with my Saturn return, a lot of it started, you know, during those years, and it's an interesting story because you know I had met someone, turned out to be a medium. Um, a psychic medium. And so like, to make this long story short, they were telling me all this stuff about my own history, about my own family that I kind of had an inkling about, but I wasn't necessarily 100% sure of. For example, they were telling me, oh, well, the women in my mother's family practice this Bible-based voodoo. And this is this, this were his exact words. And so then, like, I started thinking about how, like, you know, my great-grandmother who's passed away, I think you can, oh, well, yeah. Anyway, uh, my great-grandmother who's passed away, and she would come and she would pray under the bed and pray in the closet. And she would always boil all these herbs in the pot. And this was like early, early 90s when my grandparents were alive. Her her daughter and her son-in-law, 
they would fight and then after she would leave, they would be okay. And it's like, there's lots of talks about divination. Her brother, my great-grandmother's brother was known to keep women's underwear in jars. And there were always these stories about relatives, past and old past relatives that, you know, were very different from my father's side of the family that traditionally went to church and were more so Americanized, so to speak. And I always noticed that there was a difference. So with my Saturn return, when I learned that, it started to kind of open the floodgates, so to speak, in regards to my own practice. Cause I never, ne- I never necessarily felt that connected to um, the secular or not secular, more so kind of modernized church, so mm-hmm. to speak. And oftentimes a lot of us, you know, a, a lot of us that are a part of the youth in the black culture don't necessarily feel that connected to the church because of you know, how church politics can get. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> that was a very diplomatic way of saying that. Yeah, very much, you know, how political it can get. So I never really felt connected. So, you know, as my process began, when I was going through my center turn, I ended up moving back to Louisiana because of some crazy stuff that was going on. And I reconnected with an old friend and I started learning more and more through the Internet and more so through dreams dreams telling me to do certain things in terms of getting this person back in my life. Long story short, we were back, we were back knowing each other and it influenced my practice. And then we went to Orleans and did the spell with Marie Laveau back when you could go to her tomb. And it was just, you know, it was just one thing after another. And I just noted, noticed that, you know, my power started to get more and more increased and developed more and more. And ever since then, you know, it's created all these opportunities for me, I never in a million years would have thought that this is who I would be or what I would be doing. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. I always say everything's everything always comes out in the wash. Yeah. You go through certain things that happen on purpose and that very much kind of funnel you in the direction in which you're supposed to go. And I learned a whole lot of things through that Saturn return, that reconnection, that old friend. And if it hadn't been for a lot of that heartache and all, heart of that, a lot of that drama, I wouldn't be who I am today, helping who I help, healing who I heal, as well as healing myself. You know, I went through a whole lot. And I, like I said, I, I was funneled through all these channels in order to get to where I am today. Definitely created what it is that you see in here right now. You know, I practice divination, I practice hoodoo, and I try and help as many people as I can get connected to their ancestors through the, the lessons that I've learned in the paths that I've chosen so far. I love that. Oh, God, you said so many things. And one thing, no. underwear in the jar. Yeah. What? Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And then um, I guess also I wanted to know, you know, what did you think you were going to do? Before your Saturn return, because before my Saturn return, I didn't even know what a Saturn return was, yeah. and I was, I was, you know, I was trying so many things. I was trying to go to medical school to work in like X-ray technician or be um, come a um, medical biller, and then I went to truck driving school. Like I was completely lost. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was going in all kind of directions, and so many bad things were happening to me, like left and right. Like I was completely a hot mess. I was super depressed, and I was just all over the place. And I always wanted to work in the entertainment business. I had lived in Los Angeles to become an actor at the time. So that's what I always intended to do. And I put so much like, you know, ambition and and more so much um, energy into coming that. And in a roundabout way, I feel like I'm definitely a lot more fulfilled doing what it is I do that I could ever be with um, 
working in the entertainment business. But before, you know, I became what, I, what it is that I do now, I definitely int- intended to work in the entertainment and film industry. Yeah. So. It's so, I mean, honestly, like, well, some people will say that, you know, this is entertainment. I mean, I wouldn't mm-hmm. call it that, but I mean, I, I know, I just think that's kind of funny, you know, that you yeah, kind no, of people do end consider up. It, yeah. And it has a lot of connections to that. And I mean, it, it, the more you learn about spirituality, the more you realize that a lot of people who are in that business mm-hmm. definitely rely on, on it. You know, there's, yeah. there was the Kabbalah craze of the early 2000s. Yeah. Red string. You know, yeah the red string and you know the stuff with you know beyonce and her family now and how big they're into it and how much they're bringing it i wouldn't necessarily say it's mainstream they're making it mainstream but they're very definitely bringing it to the forefront and allowing people of our background to know that it's okay yeah because you know you remember back in the 80s and 90s people would go on tv and they would win awards and they would think jesus up and down yeah. and that was like you know the thing to do and more so kind of people are incorporating more of their own ancestral practices more so their indigenous practices and it's allowing other people on more of a larger scale to know that it's okay to walk away from such an organization that's so political and so um so restricting yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I I feel like some of the stigma that was attached to a lot of these, you know, I mean, I want to call them ancient practices. Mm-hmm. Like So many of them have been around for so long, but there was so much stigma attached to it. Like I remember back in the day when I was first learning astrology, which, you know, was a good almost 15 years ago now, people like thought I was a weird, like I was a weirdo, you mm-hmm. know, and like now people are like, that's so cool. Teach me. And I'm just like, yeah. it's such a, it's so fat, you know, it's just huge turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So I know that I first discovered you actually when a friend of mine recommended me to you to get a tarot card reading. So I was oh, wonderful. talk to you about tarot. So how did you, you know, like when did you pick up tarot? And also like what was your very first impression or experience when you picked up your first set of cards? My first time, I got introduced to tarot in high school, just like astrology. There was this girl in my drama class, going back to that, who um, had read tarot. I didn't start reading tarot myself till about like 2016, 2017. And I was always kind of intimidated by it because it is, you know, the 78 cards. And it's like, how on earth am I going to memorize all of these things? And it's like, you know, there's a lot of insecurity that comes with it because you don't know, like, you know, you don't know the protocol in regards to connecting and more so kind of asking your guys to come through as well as learning the meanings of the cards and things of that nature so it's like there's a lot of there's definitely a lot of mental and psychological stuff I had to break through in order to be able to practice it but yeah it started in 2016 2017 the way I learned the cards is you know I got some flash cards the way I learned the meanings rather is I got some flash cards made some flash cards out of some tarot cards and I started practicing on friends for free I started doing like you know donation readings things of that nature and once I was confident enough in my intuitive abilities in my um, divination practices or um, cardomantic practices, I was able to practice on a larger scale. Yeah, now I practice today. So yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love that you really touched on like that sense of, you know, doubt, self-doubt when you're learning mm. a new spiritual practice practice, especially one that's, you know, so closely entwined with your intuition, because I do think that, you know, when you're first kind of stepping into this more mystical, magical part of yourself, Mm -hmm. I think it's completely natural to feel that way. Absolutely. 
So I think I love that you, you know, shared that, shared that with us because I feel like a lot of people will find that really comforting. So you told me about how you felt in the beginning. Like, how do you experience tarot now? Like, do you see flashes? Do you hear voices? Do you like get tingling in your fingers? Like, or do you just know? Oh, well, now it's more so kind of understanding the story. And especially, you know, the more you get into divination practices, the more of an interest that you get in regards to other people and how they practice. You know, now that we're in this kind of paradigm where a lot of divination practices openly kind of shown in the media, a good example is Tyler Henry on um, Hollywood Medium or Long Island Medium. And it's like you learn that they use symbolism when they talk to the dead, so to speak, whether, you know, you believe that they're real or not the way that they practice is more so kind of they use the symbolism that they see and they understand that it has a certain meaning so with tarot and how i practice tarot is it isn't so much that it's a tingling or it's more so kind of um a vibration it's more so kind of understanding the story storyboard kind of like how they put movies together or music Mm -hmm. videos how they would put a storyboard together it's like you understand the storyboard and figure out what it's telling you and Mm -hmm. then figure out what what's making the most sense a lot of times, you know, and that's one of the great things about, you know, the 78 cards, which you have the trump cards, as well as the minor arcana, the major arcana, the minor arcana, as in comparison to using playing cards, which is just, you know, the minor arcana and the joker, mm-hmm. is like, there's much more of a story arc with the trump cards, with the major arcana, you know, like the high priestess or the moon or the sun or judgment. There's much more of a story arc. And then you can work your way around in regards to understanding the story in which spirit is telling you. And, you know, what I do is, you know, I typically, I always ask the client to close their eyes, to take deep breaths, ask their guides to step forward and relay whatever messages that they need to know. Not everything that, you know, someone is supposed to know is supposed to be told to them because what would be the point of life? If we're known to, if we're supposed to know every single thing that's supposed to happen to us, we're not learning anything. And, you know, anything that isn't growing is dead. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I take comfort in understanding. We're more so interpreting the messages that come through in the tarot cards is knowing that they're not everything that, they're supposed to know is going to come through, but the messages that they need to know, the confirmation that they need will come through the cards and understanding more so the story that's being conveyed through the tarot. Oh, I love that so much because I think that, you know, often as healers or intuitives or people that are in this field, they're like, well, you should have told me this. Or like, why did anyone yeah. say that, you know, that COVID was going to happen? Or like, why didn't anyone say X, Y, and Z? And it's like, I feel like that's such a great point that sometimes not everything needs to be known because what mm-hmm. would be the point of life? You're getting access to what's most important for you to understand right now. Yeah. And it's such a huge responsibility, especially when reading tarot, because, you know, a lot of people that will come to you, not everyone is on the same level in terms of, you know, mental health and not that it's a bad thing. I'm a huge champion of mental health, especially within, you know, our community, the black community and things of that nature. And I typically, most of my clients are of color, but, you know, it's a huge responsibility to, you know, convey messages in a responsible way to where people can make the wisest decisions that are best for them with the confirmation that they get from the reading. And, you know, at first, like I said, it was a huge insecurity at first, but, you know, the more you practice, the more you learn the language of divination or you learn the language of your spirits, the more confident you can be in terms of relaying those messages. And, you know, it's a huge responsibility, but once you have that confidence, you can definitely 
have fluidity and much more power with it and definitely be a lot more polarizing with your message. That's for sure. I love that so much. Thank you. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to really talk to you about was that I noticed when you were doing um, our, our reading together that you did this beautiful combination of tarot and astrology. And you yes. You to go back and forth. And so just talk to me a little bit about that, you know, like the connection between tarot and astrology and then how you like to do that. Um, yeah. Anybody out there that is like, you know, really into tarot but wants to get into astrology or vice versa? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I feel with tarot and astrology because they have so much connection and so much in common that they definitely add more color and more vibrational power to the messages that come through the reading. For example, you know how Hierophant is associated with Taurus or the Temperance is is, um, associated with Sagittarius. It's kind of like the way you are able to um, interpret transits. For example, you know, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that happened in January, on January 12th. And it's like, let's say, for example, that you get, let's say, for example, you get the judgment card in a reading and it keeps coming up in a reading, it keeps coming up prominently in a reading and the client is more so interested in their career and they're trying to figure out should they move for their career. And it's like, it's like, you're able to add so much color to the decision that they should make or the decision that's coming across from spirit or their energy to be able to say like, you know, lots of things are changing around you, but it's asking you to be disciplined in the face of all this transformation. And, you know, that's more so kind of the lesson that Saturn is teaching you is teaching you discipline, judgment, Pluto, so to speak. Well, Pluto and judgment are together. So, you know, that transformation is happening, happening. So it's kind of like, you know, it's like this saying, you know, no sudden movements or thieves, you know, move slowly in the night. It's kind of like you can get the best of an opportunity with, you know, using both messages, but knowing that you have to kind of move slow. Point I'm trying to make is that you're able to um, convey so much more and add so much more color to um, a message based off of transits with astrology, as well as kind of get a little bit more details from the cards. So it's kind of like you have this outline with astrology, but you're able to kind of color in the picture with the tarot give it a lot more personality and color, so to speak. So that's why I like to incorporate both. On top of the fact that, you know, me being a Sagittarius rising, I talk really fast, gets to the point with things. And, you know, I'm more so kind of on this detail here, but it's like there's so much else that could kind of be conveyed and talked about with the rest of the picture. But it's like, because I know and I'm conscious of that, I'm able to kind of back up more of what's going on astrologically or more of what's going on tarot-wise with incorporating both. So again, it's very much kind of adding a lot more and more layer to the message that comes through in a reading when I incorporate both. I really appreciate the whole astrology or the lines and the tarot is the color inside. Did I say that right? I feel like Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love Wonderful. that. Wonderful. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. Such a great analogy. Okay, so now that you have a ton of experience, you know, like you're this seasoned healer and intuitive. Thank if you. If you could go back to your younger, first learning self, what advice would you give? I would say, good question, actually. That's a really good question. I haven't even thought about it. I would, I would give myself, in terms of everything that I go through now, to understand that to whom much is given, much is required. Definitely take things seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really appreciate within my spirit that, you know, I'm able to have friends that don't practice anything spiritual and they're able to keep me grounded 
to where it's like the stuff that I deal with, with social media, spiritual social media, doesn't make me too heady or doesn't make me too egomaniacal. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely keep that, that, you know, that's definitely some advice that I would give myself, even though I practice it now, it's more so kind of harping on that to make sure that you have proper balance that kind of keeps you in the real world and not too heady into the spiritual world. I would definitely tell myself in comparison to now that, you know, like I said, too much is given, much is required. Understand that there's going to be lots of setbacks. There's going to be issues with comparison because you're going to see people who either have a whole bunch of experience that's going to intimidate you or people who have way less experience doing much better than you in terms of their practice or how much money they're making or how popular they are or what magazine they're in or if they're verified. And it's, again, comparison is the thief of joy. So I would tell myself definitely prepare for that. It's true. Comparison is a thief of joy. So I would definitely tell myself, prepare for that and understand that there's going to be lots of snakes in the grass that are going to make you feel like you're less than based off of what they have or what you have more than them, but they're doing better at. Understand that. I would tell myself more so kind of be patient with what it is that you're learning. You don't feel that you have to be such a jack of all trades right away or feel like you have to meet the expectations of other people. Learn at your own pace and be proud of the work that you're doing and understand that it's going to, you know, it's going to have its days like anything in life, like any career, but know that you are following and fulfilling your purpose by doing so. So that's more so the messages I would tell my my younger self, absolutely. Oh, I love it. You'd be like such a wise, like... (laughs) I've learned a lot. Yeah, I've learned a lot. Yeah. And then what what are some other tips you would give to all my newbies out there just learning tarot, just starting out? Like... Yeah. But like, what would you tell them? I have a friend that told me you recommended a coloring book. That's like yeah. fantastic. I bought it. That's my favorite. But yeah, yeah, because it, a lot of people don't like to use the reversals, mm-hmm. um, especially when they're learning. But I feel the reversals are important because, you know, like the analogy I used before, it adds so much color to the picture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, definitely that uh, the tarot coloring book, um, also a very soothing way. So it's like you're learning the, the messages of the tarot while you're doing a therapeutic practice. So there's a giant Rider weight tech. It's by US Game Systems. You can get it from Amazon or eBay. And so that you can use as far as flashcards. And kind of like, you know, the same route that I took as far as, you know, doing pre-readings, then graduating to donation readings, and then setting your prices low when you get a lot more comfortable with your tarot practice. I'm a huge champion of someone who uses the Rider weight deck because as your first deck because there's so much symbolism and terminology and astrology and numerology that you learn from that deck and you're able to once you're able get comfortable you can practice with other decks that have certain different other symbolisms and you can understand or so kind of using symbolism to convey certain messages from spirit with that deck so i feel like that's always the first deck a student should learn with and also not even just that more so kind of getting comfortable with your own connecting and communication style with spirit because you know some of us may start off with tarot but we may, may end up you know, being a tea leaf reader or bone reader super important that you learn or style your method and don't compare pretty much that i feel like you know that is those are more so kind of the bare bones essentials of you know any tarot student or any newbie that's getting into this and you know everyone won't have the same definition for certain cards some cards may mean completely different things to certain people but there's definitely kind of you know a basics it comes to tarot but you know Again, learn at your own pace, learn your own communication style, your own methodology style, and work your way up from there. 
and be patient with yourself. Yes, I love that. I think patience is definitely important. Yeah. Patience with your spirit. <laughs> you yeah. know, sometimes you want to go so quickly and the time's not right. So it's like the universe, like, slow down, just be patient. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Wow, that was so awesome, Alex. It really warmed my heart chatting with you and because I really love to see healers out there just stepping into their magic. Likewise, and, Shereen. Oh, thank you. So I ha- So here at the Magic Hour, we always end an episode with three feed your soul questions. So I just love to hear a lot about, you know, how others, especially healers care for themselves emotionally and spiritually. Mm -hmm. So if you have some time, it's three quick questions. Sure. Okay, great. So are there any consistent activities or rituals you do to maintain a sense of inner peace? Yes. Uh, This is one thing that I'm known for by most of the people that follow me is I say Psalm 74 verses 16 and 17, three times in a row, once a day, typically by sundown. But if, you know, the sun is down, I still manage to remember to say it. And it's the day is thine. The night is also thine. Thou has made the light in the sun. Thou has set all the borders of the earth. Thou has made summer and winter. That's, I think, the King James Version. Anyway, that passage, that psalm is about being appreciative, showing gratitude in advance for every step that you make, every experience that you have, and being thankful for the experiences that you haven't had yet. So that's more so, it's kind of like a daily checklist, but in the form of a psalm from the Bible. And, you know, it's a hoodoo practice. And it's gratitude in advance. And it's open paths for me. It's simple magic, so to speak, if you want to call it magic. But, you know, even in other practices, gratitude in advance definitely, you know, envelops more so kind of makes you receptive for blessings without obstacle. And that's, you know, my daily practice that I do that's even as simple. And also every Sunday, I do a spiritual bath with herbs. Daily, that's the one that I do daily. But Sunday or more so weekly, I do spiritual baths. Every day I bathe with, you know, some type of herb blend. Um, I use Dr. Bronner's and I add, you know, seven magic plants, which is sage, hyssop, rue, bay leaf, basil, rosemary, and myrtle, which are all herbs. And you add them to um, your herb bath and you bathe with them every single day. And it's that was a plant, a magic plant bath. Well, the seven magic plants bath is a bath that I learned from these three old ladies at Botanica Luz del Dia mm-hmm. off Pico and Alvarado in Los Angeles. And uh, they told me about that. And that's something that I've been using ever since. So that's kind of how I clean off the negative energy that I can kind of pick up throughout the day when I'm out and about, or more so kind of after reading that I do, because a lot of people have a lot of heavy stuff. But mostly the Psalm 74 is something that I do every single day to show gratitude in advance that keeps me in check and ultimately opens paths for me and shows the universe that I'm grateful for the blessings that I have and the blessings that I haven't received yet. Oh, I love that. I think gratitude is just is such an imperative process. Super important. Care. Yeah, yeah. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. Definitely thank you for sharing that um, bath. I'll make sure I put it in the notes because I'm sure there's some folks out there that would want to do it. Yeah, if any of you have questions about what's in it or why, just hit me up wherever and I'll be happy to answer for sure. <laughs> okay, great. All right, so when it comes to self-development, what are the books or tools that really offered life-changing discovery? So I know that we had talked about a couple of them. Um, Linda Goodman, we talked about the um, the coloring book. Is there anything else that you, you know, think is a must-have on the bookshelf of, you know, a future tarot card reader? 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, this book, I always suggest towards people because it definitely changed my life. It isn't necessarily the most occultist, Mm -hmm. spiritual book or, you know, super enlightened, but it's Brene Brown, Daring Greatly. Oh, yeah. um, Yeah. You know, and for someone who is a social, quote unquote, social media, spiritual influencer, you deal with a lot of imposter syndrome. And you have to be able to have enough courage and confidence in whatever it is that you do to put yourself out there and know that there are going to be times when you get the wrong answer to where you, you know, have some kind of issue with customers or clients or know that you're going to say the wrong thing and there's potential for you to get canceled. But know that you're, you know, as long as you're putting yourself out in the ring with confidence and knowing that you're giving it your all and knowing that there's possibly opportunity for you to get it wrong, but knowing that you at least still did it is ultimately most of the battle. And that's what I've learned from that book is more so kind of daring greatly, you know, having enough brazen, ambitious energy to put yourself out there and put yourself in the ring. And there's a lot of people who don't have that confidence that'll never get to that point. That'll always wonder what if, but if you're someone who is confident enough to not be someone that sits on the sidelines and just criticizes, then that's, you know, most of the battle. So definitely Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. She did a talk for Netflix that uh, relates exactly to what you're saying. So I was just seconding that she she rocks. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But there is a Netflix special out there about it, and it's about the power of vulnerability. So like, it totally is in alignment with what you were saying. But yeah, you know. absolutely. Vulnerability, yeah, it's super important, especially, you know, in this social media age and even, even as a reader, specifically as a reader, because, you know, you have a lot of responsibility and power in your hands, especially when someone's coming to you at a really vulnerable moment in their life to telling you their personal business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're vulnerable because, you know, you're helping them. Well, first of all, you're giving them confirmation, whatever messages that may not necessarily relay or make sense to them. You have to stand in that confidence that eventually that message will come to them because they chose you for a reason. You know, there's a million and one readers out there, but there's a reason why their guides sent them to you. And there's power in that, but there's also responsibility and vulnerability that comes with that. So it's super important that you step into that vulnerability, know that it's responsibility, know that, um, you know, you have to take it seriously, but be okay with that and not let it shake you and stir you so much. That's super important that you operate like that. So yeah, vulnerability is super important. Reading the Bible is always, you know, super important as well. That's definitely another book. As far as my practices, I would say, you know, Root Work by Tiana Lee McQuiller. It definitely helps you connect with your guides if you are interested in hoodoo. It isn't necessarily more so kind of in the other African traditional practices, but in terms of the Southern Delta Southern American practices, it definitely is a great starter in regards to starting that practice and building more confidence in the practice that you have in connecting with your guides and ancestors. So yeah, definitely mainly those three books, The Bible, Brene Brown, Darren Greatly, and Root Work by Tiana Lee McQuiller. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Okay, final third question. Who is the most inspirational person you've ever met? They don't have to be working in this field. And what did they reveal to you that never left you? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say the singer Khalees. I've always been inspired by her. And I'll tell you why. Because, you know, to be able to stand out, to be able to make choices and be demanding and doing things on your own way and not be so much pressured by quote unquote success Mm -hmm. and the success in comparison of people like 
Beyonce or Christina Aguilera or whoever, and more so do things your own way with your own style and ultimately be content and be happy with that. I would say, you know, Khalees is someone that has always, always inspired me, not even spiritually, but ultimately as a person to be someone, to be my own person, to do things my own way with my own style and not base my success on the numbers or more so kind of the fulfillment of other people, expectations of other people. So I would say the singer Khalees. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. She has like a new, she's a new cooking show, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's She's completely queen of transformation for sure. Yes, Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. Again, this was such a magical chat. So can you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you? Absolutely. So you can reach me at um, at Witch Dr. Alex on Instagram as well as on Twitter. But on Twitter, it's Witch Dr. Alex, U-I-T-C-H-D-C-T-R-A-L-E-X on Twitter, as well as witchdralex.com. If you want to send me an email, it's witchdralex at gmail.com. And um, yeah, you can reach me any of those ways and I'll be happy to respond to whatever questions when I can. Yeah, I'll be happy to speak with all of you. Awesome. And then when do you think your calendar is going to open up again? I know people are itching to know. <laughs> I know. I'm so I'm so grateful that so many people have interest in, in my readings. I, you know, I schedule them out just because for energetic purposes, mm-hmm. I only do two to three a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like all I can handle energetically. And I'm so fortunate that so many people, you know, request readings from me. But I mean, I do have openings in December and January. People cancel all the time because some people don't, you know, can't handle the waiting or some people realize that they can't make it. So, you know, if you check the Schedulicity site. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Magic Hour. We hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to check out the show notes over at mylittlemagicshop.com for more information on today's guest, Witch Dr. Alex. We hope to see you again next Sunday. As always, sending you so much light, love, and magic. And remember, without a dream, you can't have a dream come true. So make sure you are out there making your own magic.